You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena, the parochial vicar of St. Anne's Parish in Butte, Montana, and chaplain of Butte Central Catholic Schools. Enjoy. Today's gospel is a deep and profound example of sort of the ancient grappling between work and prayer, kind of figuring out who we are versus what we do, or kind of being versus doing. It's a sort of classic question in the history of humanity. Do we focus, as Christians, do we focus all our energy on our prayer, on the contemplative life? Is that, is that the ideal, or is it or do we focus our energies on our work and just try to make our work into a sort of form of prayer in itself, the sort of practicing the presence of God approach? Or do we kind of split it evenly? And these are legitimate questions. You know, I, I think today's church sort of focuses on work, kind of the work-centric approach, and we've sort of lost the ability to pray in many ways or at least the, the idea of what that means. Partly because of the culture that we live in in America, we're sort of fiercely independent and very obsessed with work, just kind of what we do. But also in the church, in the past 50 or 60 years, in our sort of attempts to open the doors of the church to the world, we've sort of let in too much in many ways, and, and it's... And it's kind of caused us to lose our sense of the mystery and the reverence of of who God is. And so we've kind of lost our desire to contemplate him as well in the midst of that. And these aren't these aren't new questions though. They're they're great questions but they're not new questions. I think it's actually a good rule of life as you go along that if you come up with a deep and profound question whether that's a question about the church, maybe something you don't understand or don't agree with, or just a question about life, that you're almost certainly not the first person to ask that question. And no offense, but there's probably been more intelligent and sort of deeper thinking people who have thought about that question than you, which is actually refreshing. And I realize that it's very refreshing. But finding the answers to those questions might involve, God forbid, reading a book from time to time. So... It's worth your effort, I promise. But these aren't new questions, as I said. And today's gospel, I think, are a good guide for us in sort of grappling with work and prayer is St. Benedict, the founder of the Benedictine Order, one of the greatest saints and just greatest figures in Western history. The Benedictine Order not only has produced incredible saints, but is really really did in a very concrete way sort of save the intellectual tradition of the Western world by copying down and and preserving all of Western thought through a dark age in history. But that wasn't, you know, that wasn't what Benedict sought out to do was to save Western civilization. He, He set out because he looked at the culture around him and he was disgusted with what it what the way that people were living, what they called life, wasn't satisfying for him. Uh, and what it, what it meant to be a Christian for him was so, something so much more 
And so he set out in the hope of figuring out what that was. What does it look like to live the Christian life, to see the face of God? And so he set out this rule, the rule of life for Benedictines. And he, be, he sort of begins it with a question. It's a beautiful question. He says, What, dear brothers, is more delightful than the voice of the Lord calling to us? See how the Lord in his love shows us the way of life. And so when we meditate on this gospel today, let's apply what he's saying. What is the Lord trying to show us through this story, Martha and Mary? What's he trying to tell us about how we are to live? So let's look at the scene. You've got Martha and Mary hosting Jesus at their home. And when you're you're a host to Jesus, you're a host to his sort of entourage. So you've got the 12 apostles, Mary, and probably some cousins, and maybe some family members of the apostles, and then some probably ancillary disciples that are just kind of hanging around trying to find out who Jesus is. So it's a serious undertaking, especially in the ancient world. Cooking isn't easy. You don't have electricity. So she's burdened. She's, she's strained. And her sister Mary's just sitting there at Jesus' feet listening to him instead of helping her care for their guests. And so Martha's understandably upset. And she's being left to do everything herself, so she tells Jesus to reprimand her sister and tell her to get to work. But Jesus refuses to do it. You know, and I think it's almost impossible for any of us to walk away from this story without some sympathy for Martha. You know, it's, she kind of gets her bad rap in this story. But Martha's no slouch. You know, later in the gospel, she's, she also has Lazarus as her brother. And when Lazarus dies... Jesus really took his time getting there. So when he gets there a couple days after Lazarus dies, Martha's actually angry at him. You know, they're friends. She said, Lord, if you would have showed up earlier, this would have been okay. And yet even in her mourning, she professes him as the Messiah. She professes her belief that he is the chosen one of God. So she's a formidable woman. She's intelligent and she knows the Lord. But still, Jesus says no to her request and isn't afraid to correct her. And he says this, You are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing, and Mary has chosen the better part. I think we like to sort of put a purely spiritual interpretation upon this passage because it makes it a little easier to digest. The fact that, you know, prayer, the Lord's just emphasizing the importance of sort of coming to know him over against just sort of workaholism. And that's a true interpretation, I think, but we could take it deeper than that. You know, how does Benedict introduce the rule? By rejoicing in the call of God, the call to follow him. And the way of life that sort of shows, that the gospel shows us. But before St. Benedict ever founded a monastery, he spent three years as a hermit in Sibiaco. Three years just praying in solitude before he ever did anything. But then think about what he did after that prayer. So he took the first three years just to sort of come to know the Lord, to focus on that friendship, that relationship first, before even acting. 
So the gospel is not giving us a sort of general rule on prayer and how it relates to our work and our life. He's telling us that if we don't have prayer, if we don't have that intimacy with the Lord at the root, at the very foundation, then nothing we ever do in this life will mean anything. Nothing will ever bear fruit. So you might be saying, hold on, Father. That can't be true. Because, you know, maybe, maybe you didn't pray about your marriage, but you're happy in your marriage. Maybe you didn't pray about the job that you have today, but it brings you joy. Maybe you didn't pray about extremely important things in your life. Does that mean that those things are meaningless? Absolutely not. The Lord gives us our desires. He created us with very specific desires. Totally unique desires. So if we follow those in an authentic way, then in a mysterious way we're still following the Lord. But that's hard because, first of all, that's hard to do. And then second, we're still kind of blindly walking along. We're in the dark. And we end up treating the things in this life as ends in themselves. And no matter how beautiful the thing is, even if it's your family, even if it's a job that you love, even if it's a hobby that you truly deeply enjoy, in itself it will never bring you happiness. Those things just can't, because our desires are infinite. So we need to let the Lord take those things and in a sense lift them up into his infinite life. So if we, if we allow ourselves to hear that, as Benedict says, the delightful voice of the Lord calling to us, if we can just put aside the business of the day for a moment, and I understand, I mean, I'm human as well, the business of the day always seems overwhelmingly urgent. There, we can, it can never wait. That's just the way life is. Life is always pressing in upon us. It's Martha telling us to get up and do the work we need to do. And it's, a, and it's a legitimate thing. The urgency is real. But we have to, no matter what, choose the better part, put it aside, and sit at the feet of Jesus in order that we can drink in those words. And then we can see our mission. And more often than not, our mission isn't to leave everything and go do some special thing for the Lord. It's just a renewed vision in the life that we're already in. It's the, it's, the, it's the focus that the Lord brings to the things that we're already doing in order that they can actually bear fruit. If you're young, maybe the Lord's calling you to something big. But if you're already in a vocation, then he's just calling you to see it with his eyes and live it in a more heroic way. I remember walking into the, the YMCA when I think I was in, maybe in junior high, but I think I was in elementary school. And there was a kid who had just moved to town, and he was standing on the basketball court holding the basketball, and we were kind of, we were getting ready to go play, and he was doing something out on the basketball court, but it was not basketball. Whatever it was, it wasn't basketball. He had obviously never played the game, and maybe even never even seen a basketball game. He just, it's like, he just knew that at some point this ball needed to go through the basket. But... Me and my buddies kind of like, we were like, okay, well, let's show this kid how to play basketball. So we kind of gave him the general rules of the game, played with him for a little bit, and as it is with any game when you learn it for the first time, it's like every rule that we told him was oppressive. 
to his freedom. You know, it was like, why can't I just do this? Why, why can't I run with the ball? And, and so it was sort of restrictive and oppressive, and, and, and by the end of the game, he was very discouraged. But he stuck with it, and he just tried to learn basketball every day. And then by the end of a few months of daily practice, it like started to look like basketball, what he was doing. And then by the end of a year, he was a decent player. And, honest, and honestly, by the end of high school, he was a good basketball player. And he was one who loved the minutia of the game. He loved every detail of the way that basketball was played. Uh, every sort of unique detail of the way the great players played. Uh, and it's because, it's because he saw in knowing how to play the freedom that it actually brought. That it didn't bring restriction, it brought freedom. It freed you up to, to play in a way that everyone knew and understood. And I think in so many ways that's a great analogy for us in the world. That if we don't know the Lord, then we don't know what this life is, is about. We don't know how to go about it. We don't know how to live it. We're kind of like a kid just thrust onto a basketball court with a ball who, who, who's never seen the proper way to do this. And our best guides are like, you know, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian on how to build a family. Like, don't take that advice. Not good. Our best sort of, if, if we just ask the world, then the guide to happiness is make a million dollars or get a million followers on some sort of social media. And that is a weak and pathetic existence. It's not life well lived. As someone running around with no clue. And until we sort of put those things aside, like set aside those false guides to life, uh, that, that urgency of the world telling you to chase these things, uh, and, and it would just sit at Christ's feet and listen to him. If we don't do that, we'll never know how to live. And God's not going to force our will, so he's not going to force upon us the way to live. He wants us to freely ask him what he's calling us to. And so ask, like, have you sat at the feet of Jesus? And if not, are you satisfied with your life? Those are real questions. Do you know what it's all about? And if your life isn't rooted in prayer, then, it, then you don't. Then you're not going to. Um, then you're not satisfied. And if it is, then, then the Lord is going to do great things. You know, the psalmist... There's a great Psalm number 127, and I, I'm convicted by it in every morning prayer that I pray it. It says, If the Lord does not build the house, in vain do the laborers build. If the Lord does not guard the city, in vain does the guard keep watch. In vain is your earlier rising, your going later to rest. You who toil for the bread that you eat, when he pours gifts on his beloved while they slumber. We turn our lives to the Lord, He's going to take care of it. You know, Benedict, right at the end of his sort of, I guess you could call it a prologue in a fifth century uh, book, but he's writing to these brothers who have decided to follow him in this life. And being a Benedictine is hard. Being a Christian is hard. I understand that. I'm trying to do it, I guess. But Benedict doesn't want them to be discouraged. And so he kind of finishes the sort of beginning of his work with these words. He says, 
Do not be daunted immediately by fear and run away from the road that leads to salvation. It's bound to be narrow at the outset. It's kind of saying, like that kid who was learning to play basketball, that, that when we first learn what this life is about, the way to properly live it, it's, it's oppressive and restrictive and seems impossible and is discouraging. It's narrow at the outset. But then he says this, But as we progress in this way of life and in faith, we shall run on the path of God's commandments, our hearts overflowing with the inexpressible delight of love. No, those don't sound like the words of a dour monk who's giving up happiness for God. That's a man who's fully alive, who knows who he is and what he is doing and where he is going. That's our call, and that's, and that's who we are as Christians if we're living it properly. We know who we are, and we know where we're going. So let the Lord bring the purpose to your life. Let him make your work fruitful. If we sit at the feet of Jesus and just drink in the words of eternal life, then we won't be running around anxious about many things. We'll be focused on that one thing that's necessary. And those words of Jesus will cause you to overflow with joy with those words that Benedict said, the inexpressible delight of love. Amen.